Wow. That was glorious. Thank you so much, Yelsey. They never clap for me, but I don't know why they... That's okay. Um, bless you for being here today. I want to share with you something today that I've just had on my heart as I've been pondering why Jesus came to this earth. Yes, ma'am? Oh, golly, sucker bill. Okay, if you're a student, you're dismissed. Thank you, Kimberly. Bless you. And Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. If you're a student. Okay. All right. I've just spent the last, I don't know, week and a half thinking about what this time of the year means, this time of the passion of Lent. Um, and I came across a verse in Psalms uh, 79 that says, The people of God in every generation will praise you for your power forever and ever. Let me read that again. It says, The people of God in every generation will praise you for your power forever and ever. I just, I don't know why that stuck with me, but just this idea that one of the ways that you and I reveal that we are a part of God's family is our continual awareness, excitement, gratitude for God's power. That the God of the Bible um, is all-powerful. Don't reflect on an equality that we sometimes don't reflect on enough. And I would just declare to you that if the Bible says anything at all, if it has any message at all, the Bible declares that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is a God of power. That His power is absolute Immeasurable, limitless, unstoppable, and incomparable. That's one of the greatest attributes of the God of the Bible. Is that he is a God of all power. And the story of the Bible, from the beginning to the end, is in a very real sense, nothing more than the story of God revealing his power to us. It starts in Genesis with creation. In six days, God created, according to the Bible, all that exists. And there's story after story after story after story till you get to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the last couple of chapters of Revelation. And you see God's power being demonstrated and revealed as he ends the world as we know it today. Uh, and is victorious in the final battle and conflict that we ever experience in this world. 
you see God's power being displayed, like I said, in story after story, in, in uh, the flood and how God created the flood and how he protected Noah and his family. You see God's power displayed in Sodom and Gomorrah, in Abraham and Sarah at, 90 and, uh, at 190 ages, um, they had a baby. You see God's power displayed in God sending Joseph uh, to Egypt. And, he, and God's power moves him from being a slave, ultimately, to being the second in command of the most mighty nation in existence at that time. You see God's power manifested through the life and ministry of Moses. The ten plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea. The, uh, God, you see God's power manifested that for 40 years he provided the food necessary to feed several million people. You see God's power manifested through Moses with the plagues and him conquering the nation of Egypt. You see God's power, if you're reading through the Bible with me, we're reading through right now uh, uh, the book of Joshua. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And you see God's power manifested in the destruction of Jericho. You see God's power manifested in uh, uh, Joshua leading the people of of, uh, Israel through the Jordan River at flood stage. You see God's power manifested um, in uh, uh, God making the earth stand still. Stop turning on its axis. Stop rotating for 23 hours. And then he does it again another time later in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, you see God's power manifested through, uh, uh, through David defeating Goliath, through Elijah uh, uh, and his conflict with the, with the, uh, uh, the false gods on Mount Carmel. You see God's power being manifested through King Jehoshaphat and King Musa and how he told both of these kings when these huge hundreds of thousands of soldiers uh, uh, coming to attack the people of God and their very small army, you see in both of these uh, situations, God tells these two kings, just be still. I don't want you to do anything. You don't have to pick up a sword. You don't have to do anything. Just stand and watch. And I will defeat your enemies for you. You see God's power manifested in Jonah and the whale. In Daniel and his his experience with the lion's den. You see God's power with Daniel's three friends and the fiery furnace. You see, uh, uh, you see God's power transitioned from all of these um, bigger-than-life events, and it culminates in the life of the Lord Jesus. And you see through his life, for at least through the last three years of his life, you see God's power manifested as Jesus turns water into wine, as he heals the incurable, as he cast demons out of those that were controlled by Satan. You see God's power manifested as he feeds hungry people, thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. You see this this power manifested as Jesus raises the dead and as he calms storms. God's power was demonstrated, as I said, from the beginning of the Bible 
through the end of the Bible. God's power was used to defend, to help, to protect, to provide, to rescue, to punish, to sustain. You see God's power used in the scripture to literally tell nations to move, to act, to stop. You see God's power being demonstrated in how God controlled world leaders like Caesar Augustus, like Nebuchadnezzar, like Pharaoh. Over and over and over again, you see the power of God, the unlimited, absolute power of God being demonstrated before God's people. And then ultimately, as I mentioned, we will see God's power one day take all that is broken all that is inferior, all that is wrong, and God will use his power to make it right. He'll make all right that is wrong and broken and inferior. That power will ultimately destroy sin. It'll destroy Satan, and it will destroy death. That's the testimony of God's word. I want you to listen to a few verses. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It says, oh, this is King uh, 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 Jehoshaphat's words. O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand before you. In Job 26, Job declares that God's mighty acts of creating, controlling, and sustaining nature are merely a whisper of his power. For who can grasp that all power in heaven and on earth belong to God? In Psalm 147, the psalmist says that God counts the stars And calls each of them by name. And you've heard me say many times. That's one of my favorite declarations of God's power. Because the Hebrew phrase that says that God calls each of the stars by name. It was a term that was used very rarely. Except when parents were writing about their children. And those children were naming their pets. And the, it's a very unique phrase, and it's the phrase that was used to describe little children naming their household pets. And that's the phrase that the psalmist uses to describe God naming every star. God counts the stars and calls them each by name. How great, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. In Jeremiah chapter 10, the Bible says, But the Lord made the earth, and by his power he preserves it. With his own understanding, he stretches out the heavens. He controls the clouds, the lightning, the thunder, the rain, and the wind. Paul says in Colossians 1 that Christ is the invisible image. I'm sorry, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created. And he is supreme over all creation. For through him, Christ, God created all things that exist in the heavens and on earth. He made the things that we can see. And he made the things that we cannot see. Such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the invisible world. All things were created through Christ. All things were created through him and for him. He existed before all else. And he holds all creation together by his power. And finally in Hebrews 1. Paul declares... The sun radiates God's own glory and he expresses God's very character. He sustains all things by the mighty power of his command. Tommy said something during the announcements. He said that the greatest event that took place in all of history was the death and the resurrection of Christ. I concur. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the greatest manifestation of God's power, of all the things that God has ever done that reveal His power, the Bible says that Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus rising from the grave, that's the greatest manifestation of God's power. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God to all of us who are being saved. And in Philippians 3, Paul says, I want you to know Christ. I'm sorry. Paul says, I want to know. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And then in Ephesians 1, he prays, I pray that you grasp how incredibly great God's power is to help all who believe in him. It's this same mighty power that God used to raise his son Jesus from the dead. That's the story of the Bible. That's the message of the Bible. That the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is a God who possesses unlimited, absolute, immeasurable, never-ending power. Oh, the incredible power that God displayed when he allowed his son to die on the cross and rise again. That's what I've been thinking about this week. And then I came to this passage, and I want you just to listen to it from Luke 23. It says, two criminals were led out of Jerusalem to be executed with Jesus. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross along. Jesus said, Father, one on his right side and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father... Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. While the soldiers threw dice for Jesus' clothes, the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself 
if he's really God's chosen Messiah. The soldiers also mocked him by offering him sour wine, saying, if you're Israel's king, save yourself. A sign was placed over him saying, this is the, the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus also scoffed. So if you're the Messiah, prove it by saving yourself and save us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you've been condemned to die? We both deserve to die for our crimes, but this man is guilty of nothing. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I promise you today you will be with me in paradise. I thought about that narrative, that little event of Jesus hanging there between those two criminals in front of the crowds, in front of the Jewish leaders, and in front of those soldiers. I thought about it all week long. And how many times in that brief moment in the life of Jesus, God manifested his power for us. Oh, the incredible power that God displayed as Jesus hung on the cross. The power to endure. I don't know about you, but you ever had somebody mocking you, criticizing you, slandering your name? Do you realize the power that it must have taken for Jesus to let them do that? To just let them lie. Let them mock, let them scorn, let them ridicule who he was and what he was doing. The incredible power to endure, the incredible power to endure the suffering and to remain on the cross. The incredible power to love and forgive his enemies. The incredible power to atone for the sins of mankind. What he did on the cross created the power to forgive every sin that has ever been committed in past, present, and future. The incredible power that was displayed when God died and rose again. And the incredible power that was displayed when that death was sufficient To not only raise Jesus himself, but to raise every person from the grave that will ever die and take them to heaven if they claim Christ as their Savior. Think about that. That the death of Jesus was powerful enough that any human that has or ever will die That death on the cross was powerful as well to resurrect them and take them to heaven as well. I've pondered that passage all week long. And here's my conclusion. Here's the point of the story. Oh, 
the incredible power of God. It seems to me that the Bible declares from that story. You had two thieves. One on Jesus' right, one on Jesus' left. One of them recognized and put their faith in who Jesus really was. And said, Lord, I believe. I want to spend eternity with you. When you die and go into your kingdom, would you take me too? The other criminal did not. He missed it. He missed experiencing and benefiting from the power of Jesus and his death on the cross. And my conclusion is, God's power seems to be greater than every other power on earth except the power of no thank you. The only thing that I can find in Scripture that thwarts the power of God is the power of saying no thank you. Kings and kingdoms, the stars of the universe, the oceans of the sea, the animals of all of nature, nothing, nothing can thwart the power of God. But the simple declaration, no thank you. I don't know what you do with that. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that. Let me read one more passage and I'm through. Luke 14, Jesus told a parable. A king prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when all was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest to come for all was ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I've bought a field and I must inspect it, so excuse me. Another one said, I've bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out, so excuse me. And another one said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant reported their replies and the king was furious. And he said, go into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And when the task was done, the servant reported that there was still more room at the banquet. And the king said, then go into the countryside and urge everyone that you find to come so that my house will be full. For the ones that I first invited will never taste of my feast. I say again, it seems that there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can resist the power of God but a simple no thank you. So I ask you a question. 
What's God been inviting you to do? What is it that God, I don't mean some rash, isolated, uh, uh, fleeting, uh, you know, which you're, you're struggling with. Was it last night's pizza or is it the voice of God? Um, is it some nightmare that I had or is it the I don't I don't mean I don't mean any of that. What is it that for days and weeks and months God has been speaking to you about and inviting you to do? Maybe it's to accept Him, gift of eternal life. Maybe it's to join Him in some adventure that is unthinkable. There's no way that could be what God would have for you. Maybe it's to go and forgive someone. Maybe it's to go and ask forgiveness of someone. Maybe it's just to begin a new relationship with Him Again, because it had, it sort of lessened in its priority. Maybe his invitation is for you to start spending time with him on a daily basis. I don't know what God's invitation to you is. I'm not, I don't pretend to. But I'm telling you and I'm telling myself. That according to the scripture, as I read it, there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can resist the power of God. But a simple no thank you. God doesn't invite us to anything that his underlying motive is not sheer delight and love for us. He would never invite us to participate in anything if it wasn't for his love. I just want us to... I just want us to begin this week of remembering who Jesus was and what Jesus did. The Father invited His Son to come to this earth and live and die and rise again. He invited Him participate in an adventure and Jesus said yes thank you I ask you again what is it that God is inviting you and you know it's God you know it's God I appeal to us let's not say no thank you whatever that might be Okay? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, Abby, Kiki, y'all come up and help me, please.
Thank y'all. You just, here, you sit down right there and hold one of those trays. Thank y'all so much. Every week, we take bread and wine that's purple and juice that's yellow. And we eat and we drink to declare our belief in Jesus' love, His power, His sacrifice, and the sufficiency of His death on the cross to pay for our sins and adopt us into God's family. I didn't mention that you have to be a certain denomination or you had to have lived a certain kind of a life this week or given a certain amount of money or uh, be a certain kind of person. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died for you? And have you put your faith and trust in that life and sacrifice for your sins and for your relationship with God? If that's your belief, if that's your faith, if that's what you put your faith in, I invite you to come and to eat and to drink and to remember and give thanks. Paul says in Colossians 2, you have been raised to new life because you trusted God's mighty power who raised Christ from the dead. If you've trusted in Christ's mighty power, then you come and you eat and drink and remember and give thanks.